Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. I know when it comes to just people, when it comes to looking for those things. In fact, I'm thinking of a particular woman that had said this just recently. She said, you know, I I keep looking for that happy place. And she said, I'm not finding it. I'm discontented. And when you begin to examine her life, you know, she, she would say, well, I'm looking for that special somebody in my life. But I'm not finding that special somebody. As a result of trying to find that happy place, it leads her down roads of being involved with men that are just really no good. And therefore, just not the plan of God, not the wealthy place of God for her life. Uh, if, if you was to ask her, how are you doing in your workplace? She would say, man, I'm doing very well, moving up the corporate ladder. Everything on the outside will look as though it is successful and doing well. But she keeps saying, I'm looking for that happy place. And so finding that happy place is finding that place in God. And God can't make you find that place, right? He can't make you uh, get happy. He can't make you seek His face. He can't make you seek His presence. It's His desire. But once again, God wants us to pursue Him and follow the direction and the purpose of God for our lives. And, And many times that happy place for your life is really finding that plan and purpose of God and that call of God for your life because God has something for you to do. And so many times we're looking to people, to relationships, to things or careers for that matter that will help us feel contented in God saying, I want you to find that in me. That's our wealthy place. And for that matter, many times we go through life just struggling and just dealing with stuff. And God said this to me a long time ago. He said to me, he said, whatever you permit, I have to allow. And that's really a strong statement because so many times we're looking to God and saying, God... I want it to be different. God, I want it to change. God, I want to feel different. And when we've been talking in our morning series on Sunday, uh, finding or feeling emotions rather, is really saying I want to get to a place where I don't feel this way. I want to feel that way. And God says if you want to feel that way, then just do something about it. You've got a choice in the matter. Pursue me, seek me, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or the right way or God's system of doing things and you'll find that all the peace all the things that you desire will come into your life as a result of having the God system working or activating in your life and so my heart is is that just on these Wednesday nights as we're talking about the provision and the blessings of God that we don't just look at it from a standpoint of finances of increase of substance in our life but God wants us to prosper in every element or every aspect of our life and the Bible says this he says in Third John verse 2, he says, Beloved, he said, where's my glasses at? What did I do with those? There they are. They are hiding on me. Verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. So God says, my heart and my desire is that you would prosper, that you would prosper spiritually, that you would prosper Naturally, that you would prosper physically in your body. 
prosper financially. And he says that's in conjunction with or it parallels with you growing spiritually. So in other words, you can't prosper in your life beyond how you prosper in your spirit or grow grow spiritually or mature spiritually, right? And once again, God is not going to make us prosper. He's not going to cause us to seek His face. He's not going to cause us to dig into the Word of God and find out what God says about us. And that's the only way that you're going to prosper, spiritually speaking, is by growing in the Word of God. And so therefore the Bible says, he says, listen, I want you to know, beloved, I pray, I'm praying for you that in every way that you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul's prospering spiritually. He says, I'm praying for you, this is my desire, and I want you to succeed and prosper in every element of your life. But it's in conjunction with you growing spiritually. In Psalms chapter 35, verse 27, it says this, he says, let them shout for joy. Come on, we said that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a byproduct of growing spiritually. It's not an emotion that comes and goes. It's a byproduct wherein Jesus says, I desire that you have fruit that remains. So in other words, he doesn't want joy to be fleeting, coming and going. He wants joy to remain in your life. And he says, says this again, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Once again, righteousness means rightness with God. So therefore, there is a right way or a system by which God operates. He says, let them shout for joy and be glad for those who favor my righteous, uh, righteous cause. Yes, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. So God says he delights in our prospering. It makes him happy. It brings him joy for us to prosper. Now, you could take those two scriptures right there. And if you remember, I think I said it last week, that whatever you feed upon becomes your meditation and it becomes your conversation. Right? And so you could take those two scriptures right there and just begin to feed on them. And when I say feed on them, purposing just to get them in your heart. Stir them up spiritually speaking. Do you realize it doesn't take a whole lot of variety of different things to make you grow? I mean, you could eat, eat a steak and eat green beans for the rest of your life and you'd have your protein and you'd have your vitamins and you'd grow, right? You might get real sick of the diet, but you'd still grow, right? And so it doesn't take a whole lot to build your faith. He says, I desire that you prosper. He says, it blesses me and I take pleasure in your prosperity. Those two scriptures alone could begin to stir you up spiritually to expect God to move in your life more than what you have been seeing up to this date, right? God's desiring for me to grow and he's desiring for me to prosper. He's desiring for me to be blessed. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it says this. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that that though he was rich... Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And we said this, that rich means to have a full supply abundantly provided for. Now once again, God wants us to prosper in every aspect of our life. Abundantly provided for. He wants your joy to be abundantly provided for. He wants your marriage to be abundantly provided for. He wants your children to be abundantly provided for. In fact, the Bible says this. He says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. 
Now, I don't know if you think in those terms as of yet, but God says he wants you to prosper so much that you have the ability to leave an inheritance for your children's children. Now, once again, we might think that that means all financial and materialistically, but wouldn't it be great of our legacy as parents, as moms and dads, that our household is filled with peace, filled with joy, filled with contentment, filled with love and faith. And therefore, we pass that on. So that tells me that God desires for it to increase and for it to perpetuate as it gets passed down from one generation to the next generation. And unfortunately, that's not been the case in the body of Christ. It's gotten worse. It's gotten uglier and darker as time has gone on. Well, once again, just think, man, we have left our children's children a a, a heritage of peace and contentment and joy. When they tell stories about you being great-grandpa, man, he was a man of God. Man, he was full of joy. He laughed all the time. All you could ever see was his teeth because he smiled so much. You know, grandma and grandpa, man, they were just so in love. Man, they were, they were 80-some, 90-some years old, and they still had a spark and a twinkle in their eye every time they looked at each other because of just the supply of God's fruit remaining and being passed down and to where the, the lineage and the legacy and the, the standard is raised between every generation. And then to say, man, we were able to trust God and God blessed us financially and God increased us financially. And therefore, we as a family, we have continued to have success in our life. Amen? Now, once again, in all those areas, God cannot make you increase just because it's his heart. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. But the prosperity that you have, spiritually speaking, that will uh, determine your natural state of life is based upon growing spiritually through his word. But he cannot force feed you his word. Therefore, it's something that we have to be intentional with. You're going to work hard in your lifetime. You will either work hard to grow spiritually or you'll work hard trying to make a life and a living for yourself. God wants us to be diligent. He wants us to be uh, uh, hardworking. But God never said it's up to you to make a life for yourself. He says, I want you to seek me first, and then all these things shall be added. Right? So what's the, the number one thing that I should purpose to do is begin to find out what God says about me. Find out what his promises are concerning me. Find out what God wants to do and partner with me to see me prosper in every aspect of my life. And then as I begin to do that, I begin to live a life of faith. So as I begin to live a life of faith and I begin to understand and find out what God's word says about me and for me and concerning me, I begin to see it. And I have to see it spiritually speaking before I ever see it naturally speaking. That's the components of faith. So in other words, God desires for you to begin to see you prospering in your marriage. You might say, my marriage is just just a heap right now. It is horrible. It's a mess. All right? That's the circumstance. That's what is. That's what you've produced in your own ability But can you begin to see God turning it around? Can you see there being peace and joy and contentment and a a true partnership in that? Can you see yourself 
being successful financially? Can you see yourself being free financially? The only way that you'll begin to see that is by beginning to meditate and finding out what God says about you. You know, that being said, excuse me, uh, just from a natural example, my wife and I, you know, we have been saving up and have been looking at getting a new vehicle. And it's interesting, you know, you get out there and you start looking at different vehicles and you start dreaming a little bit and then you finally come to a decision and say, yeah, we think we like that one. Well, you know, it's real easy to start meditating and thinking on that new vehicle. You get in there and you smell the new car smell. Oh, man, it smells good, right? And then you start to see yourself driving that thing. And and in our case, you know, just talking to the dealership, we don't have a new vehicle yet, but you know what? I've already seen myself driving a new vehicle. I'm already excited about it, even though we haven't even got it sitting in the driveway yet. Why? Because I'm starting to see myself step up and step into that new vehicle. But if I always say, well, I can't afford it, can't do it, or it's just not possible, then I'll never begin to expect beyond what I see, right? And so, therefore, beginning to find out what God's Word says about me, what His Word promises me, begins to give me the ability to see what I can naturally see, what I've naturally done, or what I think I can do in and of myself. As I said, you are going to work hard one way or another. Either you work hard in the arm of your flesh to produce what you have, or you'll work hard in growing in your faith. And God begins to prosper you because you begin to develop that picture of who God is And who you are to him. Amen. So once again we've got to begin to see that. And I gave you this example last week. Just to put it out there. And to to kind of just. Stir your thinking a little bit. But I, I used it in terms of a ministry growing. But let's just put it on the practical standpoint. Of where we're at right here. You know we're looking to sell the building. But let's just say, for instance, we hypothetically owe $150,000 still on this building. And I said, all right, church, hey, let's, let's just purpose to believe God to get this building paid off so that way when we sell it, we've got a big lump sum of cash and we have the ability to be in a greater financial position when we get into that new building. And everybody says, oh, yeah, praise the Lord, glory to God, yeah, let's believe God for that. And then I also said, well, what if the biggest dilemma that you had was to say, God, what do you want me to do about that? Do you want me just to pay off the whole lump sum of the debt that we owe to the bank right now? Or would you have me just pay half of it? What would you have me to do, Lord? Would you have, would you have me pay off the 150 or would you have me give 75? What is it that you want me to do, to do, Lord? And we're like, yeah, praise God. Wouldn't that be great? And we say, yeah, you know, that'd be significant or that would be special or that would be fun if we could do that. But then all of a sudden we get back into this reality check and say, but let's just talk facts. Let's talk the reality. I'm just not there. Well, why are we not there? Well, you say, well, I live on a fixed income. This is all the money that I have coming in. What fixed the income? The only thing that fixes our income is our faith. Now, again, you might say this is really different for me to hear because I always thought it was my responsibility. No, God says he delights in prospering you and he will cause increase to come to you. He expects you to be diligent and to be faithful. And there's God's system by which that That flow begins to come into our life. But God wants you to begin to see beyond yourself. The only thing that fixes our financial income is our faith. Now I know just from different ones in here you might say, well I'm retired right now. This is all the money that I have coming in. Well, who says that's only got to be the source of your income coming in? God desires for you to live beyond the means 
of where you ha- or what you have and what's coming into your hand, right? You say, well, how is it? The Bible says this. It says, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to him who believes. Can you believe? Can you believe? And we said believing is seeing through the eyes of faith. Can you see your house paid off? Can you see your car paid off? Can you see the debt canceled? Can you see the the creditors uh, uh, saying, hey, listen, we we just want to work with you on this. Can you see it? And if you can't see it, you'll never see it. Because your inability to see is what limits the hand of God. And the ability for us to see is not God's limitations toward us. It's our limitations to find out what God said concerning his word. God desires that we prosper. He desires that we have the ability to increase. Why? It's not for us to have all the stuff. And again, this is where the, where the rub comes. Because when we start talking about increase and talking about the provision of God, we start thinking about stuff. Well, we're just talking about big houses and fancy cars. No, we're not. We're talking about you having more than enough. A full supply being abundantly provided for. I think I shared this with you a couple weeks back. But one of the students that I had at the the college that I teach at, he said to me, he said, well, I can never, I I don't ever expect myself to be a millionaire. And I said, well, why is that? He said, because I don't want to work that hard. And I'm thinking to myself, What's the big deal of being a millionaire? And who said you had to work to be a millionaire? Why can't we just trust God to step over into that place and grow into that place? And I said again, it's not all about you just having money or having stuff. Think about it. If you brought a tithe of a million dollars to your church, what would that do for your church? Put the church over, right? Man, I want millionaires in our church. Why? Because that means that we have greater influence in our community. Rather than having to ask and beg and plead, can you come on? Can you help us? Can you, can you give? Can you give into the offering? We got this project. Man, when you've got revenue coming in for people that are prospering and succeeding, you can just begin to do things for the kingdom of God because God's blessing people. Amen? God wants you to find that wealthy place in Him. And so here's my question for you. What's the last thing that you believe God for? What's the last amount of money that you've ever believed God for? And I don't mean just saying, well, God, we've got this thing coming up or there's this project coming up. God, we sure hope or sure wish that you would would get involved in our life and help this thing work out. Oh, maybe you need a certain dollar amount. Maybe you need a down payment. Maybe you need, or maybe the church says, hey, you want to, Help us in this project. When we said to you just not too long ago and said, hey, listen, here's the projects that we're doing. Did you stop to ask the question, God, what do you want me to give into that? What's the dollar amount? And I only ask that question because typically we don't do that as people. Because we look at our bank account and saying, it's fixed. And so what we end up doing is like, well, I think I can do this. And we just throw some tip money in the jar and say, God, hope you can use that. Rather than truly saying, God, what do you want me to believe you for? And if I begin to believe you for it, you bring that amount into my hand so I can be a blessing to the church. Amen? Uh, 
Annie Durant, she's a minister. She's been here a few different times. But she, she made this statement before. She said, the quickest way to get money into your hands from God is to begin to ask him for seed, money to give into the work of God. It's the most unselfish thing you can ask for when you say, God, I have a need, and the need that I have is just I want to be a blessing to promote the gospel. And here's the money that I'm believing for. Here's the amount. And God will hook up with you. But here's the thing. We also say, well, well, okay, I get it. Well, we're asking God to bring provision into our life. But did you know the Bible says this, that God does exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think? So let's just hypothetically say you are saying, God, I'm believing for $5,000 to give into my church. I'm looking for a one-time offering that I can just bless the church and the project that they're doing. I'm asking for $5,000 in Jesus' name, amen. And all of a sudden, you get a check in the mail for $6,000. There's your seed. Well, I didn't ask for $5,000 or $6,000. I only asked for $5,000. Well, there you go. God does exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. Therefore, you've got seed money. And therefore, God says, listen, I just want to bless you a little bit above and beyond. That's just for you. Just because you asked me just to get behind and support the work of the, go- of the gospel, building the kingdom of God, I just wanted to bless you a little bit more for you. Come on, can you believe God doing that for you? Or are we still stuck on this side of, well, gosh, my, my income is fixed. I only have so much. No, God wants to bless us and take us over in life to have more than enough. Amen? The Bible says this. He says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. One translation says, you'll eat the best that the earth has to yield. If you're willing and obedient. Those are two real big words. Willing, meaning the heart's right. And then being obedient, being faithful to carry it out. And many times what ends up happening is that people people bind the hands of God, if you will, because they're not willing and obedient. For instance, what if God just said to you, listen, I need you to move to Wyoming. There's a, a ministry that I want you to go be a part of. And I just need you to go over there to be a blessing. And people will say, well, you know, I like my house. I really like my house. I don't want to leave. I can't leave my house. I mean, my kids were raised here. and We've got memories in this house. People have missed the plan of God and the provision of God for their life because the house was too important to their life. Are you here tonight? Well, you know, uh, I've got this great career. I, I, I can't leave this job that I have. Because if I leave this job, how in the world am I going to make it? Do you know, if God ever asked you to give something up to Him, He's always got better around the corner. He's just wanting to see whether you'll be willing and obedient or not. Come on. How many families, how many people have said, My family's here. My family's right here and I, I, can't, I cannot go be a part of that church or that ministry over there because my family's right here and I want to be where my family is. And for the ability to not surrender to the will of God and be obedient to that, they have their family. They might have family. See, he agrees with that. He's like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) How many people have lost the provision of God because they can't break away from mommy and daddy? Right? 
God desires for us to experience better. But right on the flip note, how many people have missed out on the hand of God and the provision of God to grow spiritually because little Johnny has a baseball game and I don't want to miss out on the baseball game and therefore they're gone for weeks and months on end. And then they start crying and complaining. Well, where's God? What's he doing? How come God's not moving in my life? Well, it's because you cut God out of your life and you made some other things in your life more important. God wants us to begin to seek him. Amen? <clears throat> in the Bible, in John, <coughs> excuse me, John chapter 10, verse 9 and, 9 and 10, it says this. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Remember we said that God is the good shepherd, right? Or Jesus is the good shepherd. And he leads us beside still waters. He leads us into green pastures, right? He says they'll find pasture. And then in verse 10 he says this. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. He said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Once again, we have over-spiritualized this and said, well, Jesus came that we would have eternal life. Jesus is making a comparison and a contrast between the devil, the enemy, and himself. He says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And everything about the enemy is excessive and extreme in the way that he comes at you, right? If he can kill you with a flu, he'll kill you with the flu. If he can't kill you with the flu, he'll try to get you with cancer. If he can't get you with cancer, he'll try to kill you with insanity or whatever else it is. He's excessive and extreme, and he will keep on after it until he destroys your life, till he kills everything about you, right? He's excessive and extreme. And Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And we, the body of Christ, have said, well, Jesus just came that we would have eternal life. Well, yippity doo dah. We get to go to heaven, but all the while that we're living here on earth, it's hell on earth, and the devil's having his way. No. Jesus said, I'm making a comparison. This is what the enemy's coming to do, but here's what I'm coming to do. And if eternal life was all that Jesus came to do, then really it wasn't a big deal. Because the devil has eternal life. All those who follow him and go to hell have eternal life, right? So eternal life isn't no big deal because every single person, born again or not born again, is going to live forever. It's just a matter where you live. So not, in, not only that, in addition, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life to spend it with me. But he also said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly here. And for the sake of repeating, we said this, that concerning that translation or the definition, life more abundantly means exceeding measure rank or need above all uh, over and above all more than is necessary super added surplus super abundant superior in quality super abundant in quality and dr strong's commentary says by implication it means excessive god wants us to live an excessive life he wants you to trust him for an excessive way of living and again, we're saying to qualify that, not getting into error, but excessive. That's his heart. That's his desire. And again, you say, well, you know, I'm just a believer. I just want to go to heaven. I don't really care about it all right here on this earth. I don't really care what I have. Listen, if stuff, or I should say it this way, if finances and money and wealth was not something important, 
in our lives, then why do so many people work the best part of their lives for it? Right? If it wasn't important, if it had no value in our lives, then let's just live off the government. Let's just all hope that a Democrat gets in the office so that we can begin to live off the government and have them take care of us. And say, ha ha, come on, we believe in big government, right? Anyways, praise the Lord. (laughs) Come on. If God isn't first in our money, God isn't first in our life. We've got to begin to see things the right way, the way that God sees it. God desires for us to have an excessive life in every area. Are you tracking with me? Are you seeing the distinction between the excessive life and a life in error? Because you can begin to have much success and still get into error. God says, I want you to have excess, but seeking me first. Now, just for the sake of qualifying this, I don't remember if I talked about this in, in, in the weeks past. But just simply explaining and expressing the heart of God. That God desires for us to live in excess. Everything about God is excessive. He never does anything halfway. When you look at creation. He's excessive. That's the nature. That's the makeup. That's the character of God. How many birds are there? There's only two birds. In the whole world right? One's black. And one's kind of gray. No, there are so many different species of birds, variety of sizes, variety of colors, variety of of sounds that they make. When God made birds, he was excessive, right? When it comes to making the, the fish of the sea, he wasn't excessive there either, was he? He made two, one big one that swallowed Jonah. And then one little small one, that's a goldfish. Just two species of fish, right? No, there are multiple species of fish, of sizes and variety. Freshwater, saltwater, colors. Why? Because God is extravagant and he's excessive in everything that he does, right? You know, we talk about global warming and we want to, you know, everybody wants to hug a tree now and then. But listen, how many of you know that when it comes to God, God's God's concerned about us being good stewards of what he gave us, but he's excessive in the way that he did it. So much so that there are so many bananas that fall to the ground and rot and die or rot and and, and just go away, I guess, whatever what I'm trying. They uh, go into the ground. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> You know what I mean? There's not enough monkeys in the in the world to eat all the bananas that fall and rot away. Why? Because God's excessive. Doesn't he know how many bananas are needed and are necessary for our population and for all the monkeys in the world? There's too many bananas. That's the way that God is. He's excessive. When you look at heaven, the Bible says that God's excessive in even the creation of God's kingdom. It says that the roads are made of gold. It says that the gates are made of ginormous pearls. It says that the walls are made of jewels. 
I mean, rather than hanging art on the wall, he just hangs big old diamonds and emeralds and rubies. And I mean, that's just the kind of God that he is. And we're all worried about whether or not, you know, well, did you see that woman at church? She had a really big rock on her finger. I wonder how much she paid for that. You know, she could have fed the poor for that, you know. I mean, just how poverty-minded we can be at times. But God says, I use that for wall art. Come on, God's excessive in the way that he does things. But all of a sudden, we get here on this side of eternity, and we're like, well, bless the Lord. We just want just to live modestly. No, God wants us to experience the success of life. What kind of house are you going to have when you go to heaven? I'm assuming that all of you are going, right? Are you going to have just a small condo? Are you going to live in a high-rise apartment or a ranch? The Bible says you've got a mansion, right? He's making a mansion for you in heaven. Jesus said, when he said about praying, when he taught us to pray, he says, pray that the Father's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if God's will and God's desires that I have a mansion in heaven, why do I get so poverty-minded about this house that I live in here on earth? Now, once again, I'm not talking about getting outside of your faith, getting outside of your means. We begin to trust God. If you started out in an apartment, well, then believe him for the small house. Once you get the small house, upgrade and begin to trust God and let, you, let him promote you and move you up. But God wants you to begin to trust him to live better than what you did before. Live better than what you did last year and the year before. But if you can't see it, you'll never see it. And then you hear people say, well, if I had a big house, then I've got to clean the big house. Oh, be quiet, you poverty-minded person. If you've got excess to live in that kind of a house, then you've got somebody that can take care of it for you, right? And if you can't, then don't get into the house. Just keep living in a small one because you can, you can do it all in your own strength, and your own arm, your own flesh, right? But if your faith is believing God for a bigger house, then your faith can believe God for somebody to help you. Right? Come on. God wants us to trust Him and believe Him for bigger and better. And when you begin to see the hand of God moving in your life, it's really just a billboard for Him. Man, it just irritates me so much when people have this mentality of just an impoverished Jesus. God wants us to, to live well. Anybody got Netflix in here? A few of you? Anybody ever watched the, oh, what is it called? The, the raga, rag muffin story of Rich Mullins? Anybody know who Rich Mullins is? He was a, a very well-known Christian artist. Uh, he died a few years back. But he had great hits that, that really transformed the church in his era. You know that one song, Our God is an Awesome God? Remember that song? I mean, it was ginormous. I mean, churches sang that, that, that banner song in their church. But when you find out the story about Rich Mullins, he was very successful in the Christian music industry, but he lived like a poor man because he never saw himself having the worth to be blessed. At the end of the the story when he died, it said that he had millions of dollars in the bank, but because he was not concerned about that or because of just his thinking, he never knew how much money that he had. 
and he lived like a poor man. And as a result of all the condemnation and all the things that he struggled with 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 his own personal father and not being accepted by his father, he was a drunk. He was he was on drugs. He was he was many times he almost killed himself. He was a tormented man. He was a born-again believer, child of God, wealthy and successful, doing the ministry that God called him to do, but all the while had poverty thinking and lived life being tormented because he didn't see the goodness of God and that God wanted him to be blessed in his life. God wants us to succeed. He's in your corner and he's rooting for you. Just with that in, in, in mind, I'll give you just a different example of how how corrupt our thinking can can be. Now, the story that I'm going to share with you, I, I certainly don't share this for the sake of being insensitive of where people are at, because I understand where they're at. But it just goes to show you where wrong thinking can creep in. There was a gentleman that I was speaking to one time, and he, he told me, he said that they lost, or he lost one of his sons at birth. Went full term, they gave birth to the baby. When the baby came out, the baby was, was deceased. And he said that the doctor was just beside himself. He said before the pregnancy, the baby was healthy. And he said the doctor came and was just in tears, weeping and saying, I don't know what happened. I just, I don't know what happened. Everything was fine. And then he died. I, I just don't get it. I don't understand. And the father says, well, I, I understand. He said, God just wanted him. Now that sounds real good in our religious thinking and talk. But it's really ignorance in our thinking and our talk. I understand that maybe it helps us. And again, this is where I'm saying I'm not wanting to be insensitive. It may help us cope with the loss of that child. Well, he's with God. He's in a better place, you know. I'll see him again, those kind of things. I understand that. But that thinking has gotten into the church for so often and for too long that God is doing things contrary to what his word says. If that was my son, if I lost my son at birth, and God says, well, I just wanted him. You know what I'd have a conversation with God about when I got there? I'd say, you know, number one, isn't there enough people up here already? That you needed to take my son? What's up with that? I mean, life is short. At best, I might have another 60 years with my son. If I live as long as, or outlive my son. I mean, you couldn't give me at least 60 measly years with my son. But you ended up taking my son so that you could have him. It's just corrupt in our thinking. If that's the kind of God that we serve, that, hey, I'm going to take your son and not let you experience the joy of being a father, then I don't want to serve that kind of a God. Right? Now, obviously, that's not the way God is. But we've allowed this deceitful thinking to come into our lives that God does things, and we don't know how, we don't know why, or it works against us. God says, I desire that you prosper. I desire that you live well. I desire for you to experience the excess so that your life can be a billboard of how awesome I am as a God, as a father. But he says, it's according to you growing spiritually. If you'll allow yourself to begin to grow and expand 
and to see yourself the way I see you. You'll begin to experience it. Amen. The last verse that I'll share is this. Psalms chapter 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you're wanting in your life or there's major need in your life, then my challenge for us is is that we need to begin to grow in our knowledge of the good shepherd. Because if he is our good shepherd, he said, I shall not want. From time to time, there's going to be need. But needs don't go unmet with God. Verse 2 says, He makes me to lay down in green pastures. Green pastures is a place of peace. He didn't say He led, led us to the dry, twiggy place where you have to chew on gnarly, hard stuff to green pastures. The good stuff. You know, my... Dad and I, we had horses when we were younger. When my dad was a lot younger. (laughs) But we would buy hay. And you can buy good hay or you can buy junk hay. Good hay is the alfalfa that was green and moist and supple and tender. Hay still dried out, but it's better. It has nutrients. And God says the good shepherd leads us beside green, or to lay down in green pastures. He, lies, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me to the path of righteousness for His name's sake. For His name's sake. He needs you to prosper. He needs you to increase He needs you to start seeing you live a different life. The life of excess. And excess might be just the next step from where you're at right now. But it's for His name's sake. For His name's sake. There's people going to say, wow. look Look at the new house. Look at the new car. Look at the new job. That's when you know you have the opportunity to say (laughs) for him. He did it. Come on, that's all God's looking for is just, will you give me the credit? Will you let me just shine in your life? Will you let me just help you live a life of excess so that people can know how good I am? Man, this greater Flint area is hurting and it's because they have a, just a warped thinking of life and They're looking for their happy place. God needs us to increase so that we can say, (laughs) for His name's sake. Amen. He needs you to be healthy in your body. There's times that we struggle financially. Some, or uh, excuse me, physically. There might be some that just are feeling it physically right now. He needs you to live long. He needs you to live strong. He needs you to live with vitality in your life. For His name's sake. grandchildren to be grandma that says I'm healthy I'm going to run with you play with you in the yard this thing ain't going to hold me back this thing ain't going to slow me down you're going to have to keep up with me (laughs) 
He needs you to be healthy and whole. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I sense your anointing in this place right now. And the anointing removes the burden that destroys the yokes. So God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. The word is anointed and we just heard the word of God of your heart and your desire for us to increase and prosper in every area of our lives. So God, I release that anointing right now. I release that anointing right now in the name of Jesus. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, I thank you for refreshing, for renewing, for prospering spirit, soul, and body. Money, you work for us. You're indebted to us, not the other way around. Ministering angels, we commission you to go forth now. Bring in increase from the north, the south, the east, and the west right now. Bring in laborers, bring people to increase and bless our lives in the name of Jesus right now. We speak to those jobs. We thank you for promotions. We thank you for increase. We thank you for security. In Jesus' name, God, we speak to those deals and financial deals and banking things. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, that we have the favor of God. And therefore, we have favor with men. Thank you, Father. It's lining up, lining up. Lining up in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Now, just in that moment, if you felt God just kind of stir in your heart, and you just say, hey, you know what? That's mine. In that season, in that moment, in that prayer. That minister to my heart. You reach out and grab it by faith and you take it and say, that's mine in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you. We'll see you Sunday. Bring somebody. and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.